everyone, welcome to episode six, right? What? Six episodes? Crazy! Yeah. Of the okay. That means we've been doing this six months. Yeah, six months. That means we That's have... That's half a, a year. Yeah. Wow, we've half committed. Half a year of, of doing this. We've committed, you've committed, hopefully. Yes. If this is your first time, please commit. Yeah. Uh, we want you yeah, to commit. Quit around. You know, yeah. it's time. It's time. Get on board with the OK Guard show. Because if you don't, you're going to miss out on things like today's episode, money management. Churching. Um, yeah. You want to make money. I mean, who doesn't like money? I like, I I mean, like money. I I feel like we could say that's a fact that everyone does. Yeah. Perhaps it is an opinion. I don't know. Do you know who else likes money? Uh, the people I owe, owe money to for my credit card. Yeah. My landlord. Yeah. Student loans. No. They really like money. They love it. Uh, I think yeah. sometimes more than me. Yeah. But we talked about a lot of those things. Yeah. And uh, it's really good information, good knowledge to know how I can handle my financial situation. Yeah. And it left me more informed, but also wanting to ask more questions. Absolutely. Um, we talked retirement. I mean... It's never too late to start planning for your retirement, and there's so much that goes into it. Today's episode, we skimmed the surface, and we're actually going to bring Shay Cockrell, who's our guest. He's a CPA. Uh, we're going to bring him back on the show for specific segments on this because it's just such a broad topic that we think could really get, help you all out and your families. So, yeah. 100%. Uh, so we'll stop talking about it, and we'll get right to it. We hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for coming on the show. I think um, this was probably one of our favorite topics because it's so important. And I think all of us in here obsess over our finances. And uh, we wanted to get the word out on how to properly do that so that you can best set yourself up for now and the future. So that's why we have you on the show. So we really appreciate it. Of course, yes. Go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Shay Cockrell. Um, I am a CPA. Uh, currently, I work here as the staff account for the comptroller here in the mm-hmm. USPFO. Um, before I was in the guard, um, I was a tax accountant in a public firm for a while. After that, I was a controller for a, um, a small company, and then I was doing audit work for them as well after that. So okay. kind of have a, a breadth of experience. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, you're the right guy for the show. <laughs> um, what is a CPA? So CPA is a certified public accountant. So that the duty of a CPA is to uh, to serve the public in a trusted professional uh, advisory sense. So um, and that and that's coming from the AICPA uh, Code of Professional Conduct mm-hmm. and the Oklahoma Board of Accountancy. Um, statutes and you'll you'll see CPAs working in a wide variety of um, areas of Mm -hmm. money if you will and that includes um, auditing tax other financial services but the majority of people will see CPAs for tax reasons so okay Um, now are you uh, do CPAs get certain training for their state they're in or is it kind of an uh, an overall for the entire nation like how does that work could you skip state to state and will what you talk about today help people who may live out of state yes so to answer your last question yes it will help you in uh, no matter what state you're in so each state has a board of accountancy and the the requirements to become a cpa differ slightly from state to state Um, but the majority of them are very uniform the, the primary thing you're going to hear 
professionals talking about is the CPA exam, and that is a uniform exam throughout all all, all the states. Okay. Uh, and that's a four-part exam to include everything from uh, financial reporting to the business environment and other regulations. So it's, it's a pretty well-versed, um, wide-topic set of exams since okay. there's a total of four. So when should you see a CPA? Uh, and I've got, like, should it be... Um, should you make a certain amount in order to see a CPA? Should it be when you first get your, uh, you know, big adult job, or uh, how how does it work? So, if we're focusing on the tax side of the house here, mm-hmm. I mean, we like I said before, they do audit services and, mm-hmm. and other things too. But for tax purposes, it's not necessarily how much money you make; it's the complexity of of your finances. So we're dealing with um, if you have everything from an oil and gas interest or uh, more complex things. So if you have, you're a 2W2 household, mm-hmm. I'd recommend you you may get more bang for your butt going to you know, a TurboTax or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, some of those more cost-effective ways to do your taxes. But if even if you're unsure about your tax position mm-hmm. or um, anything about your money, I would I'd recommend going to a CPA because they should be there to help you. Yeah. And on the financial advising side of it, when, when should someone come to a CPA and talk about what's what they should do with their money. Sure. So w- you can be talking about retirement. We mm-hmm. can be talking about um, trusts, mm-hmm. th- those types of things. Um, if CPAs should be well-versed in a lot of different areas, however, um, CPAs do not specialize in everything. Mm-hmm. So you, sh- you have to go to a CPA that is specialized in that area, but for for tax purposes mm-hmm. specifically, um, you should be dealing with stuff like inheritances. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one because there could be some tax consequences there. Sure. Um, that there's there's a ton of different topics we could talk about here. Marriage and it depends. Okay. Some, that could be a, a clean uh, where you get married, mm-hmm. and again, you still have two W two, so it should be easy. Yeah. But it, it really depends. If you if you have any questions, it's better to go see one than to not. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, so what are the biggest mistakes that you see people making with their money? So it comes in two, two areas, I would okay. say. One is um, wrapped up in this idea of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, w- w- the biggest one I see is uh, somebody going out and purchasing a, a vehicle, mm-hmm. a car, that they really should not be able to afford. Sure. Um, again, not targeted in any anybody in particular, just giving a, an example here. If you are making forty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. you you probably shouldn't go out and buy a fifty thousand dollar truck. Sure, you know that that's probably not from a from a wisdom standpoint a, a good idea. Yeah. Um, some uh, another one is a credit card debt. Mm-hmm. That's something you have to be really careful about. But looking from a threshold on the, on that vehicle, um, the a, a good. A good uh, way to look at that would be to not exceed more than ten percent of your take-home pay for that. So, what about biggest mistakes you people you see people not doing with their money? A combination of paying down that debt if they mm-hmm. have any in retirement. Retirement's okay. the big one. Okay. Um, we think we are younger than we really are a lot of times. So, for those individuals that are approaching retirement. They, they may not realize, oh, I'm going to need a lot more than I really actually have. Right. So retirement is, is key okay. throughout most of this discussion. And we'll get into the retirement 
piece, which is absolutely a huge thing. I know a lot of people who are on the toward the end of their retirement and they realize that they planned on retiring at a certain age and they're they look at it and they say, you know what, I probably should keep working for another five years to try to save up. Yeah, of course. Um, which is, I'm, you know, I would not want to, I wouldn't want to go through that uh, where you're like, hey, I'm about to be done. You look at your accounts and you're like, just kidding, I need to work a little bit right. more. It's a little so, depressing. Yeah. So we today are going to try to figure out um, how to educate everyone on. And by we, I mean you, because I'm just here to, you know, guide things. So, yeah. (laughs) So, um, on how to set people up for success. So, um, if there's one thing you would recommend someone do with their money, what would it be? If if there was just one thing, what would that be? Ooh, so, like I've stated before, these these two things go hand in hand. But the thing that's going to kill you the most, besides not being able to retire on time, is your debt. Okay. Interest, compounding interest is a, is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So being able to go out and spend $10,000 on a credit card that's yielding about 24% APR, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. So pay down the debt. Can you give us a quick and easy to understand example of if you spend $100 and you have a 24% or easy math you may you're probably good at math i would assume but um <laughs> eh, calculator no um but just kind of an, for our listeners um a very easy to understand explanation using numbers of compound interest with say a credit card yeah so they get really complicated really fast mm-hmm. so to give you just a really simple interest method. It gets more complicated than this, of course, sure. but if you've got a hundred dollars and 24% interest mm-hmm. annually, and it's not, this is, this example is using compound annually, not mm-hmm. semi-annually mm-hmm. or monthly or, or whatever. Term. Which those do, right? right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Based on the agreement, but just a really simple math here. You've got a um, hundred dollars, $24 mm-hmm. in one year. So you add it on. Let's say you don't make a payment in that year. Mm-hmm. Some people, uh, either you know, just don't realize how oh, I have to make a payment, or they default, or whatever. So, twenty-four percent—that's one hundred twenty-four dollars. So the next year is one hundred twenty-four times one point two four, and that accrues over years and years and years. Yeah. So, and that's exactly how—that's the reverse of retirement, yeah. right? So the idea of compound can help you on the retirement side. Sure. So you put money in in your twenties, thirties, forties. When you're retiring, your late fifties, sixties, seventies, you know, you should be accruing a lot more interest to help you okay how can i retire at the age of 35 which is three years from now so <laughs> most people would say win the lottery mm. however i would tell you don't play the lottery so say how much money should i put into the lottery for my odds to you know so i mean <laughs> you hear people that have better odds getting struck by lightning yeah, okay. than winning the lottery okay. so just want to keep that in mind sure i will take that under advisement <laughs> so let's talk about debt um okay. Uh, well, budgeting and paying off debt, kind of a combo. So um, how should one budget, and what are the most important categories to consider when you are creating that budget? Right. So the things you need to live, obviously, are the most important here. So we're talking about housing, food. Um, we live in Oklahoma, so you, we don't have public transportation that is readily available for the, mo- the most part, right? We don't live in New York that have subways, right. so we have to pay for our car. Mm-hmm. Um, insurance, I would recommend health insurance. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a sensitive topic for some people with, sure. with Obamacare and all of that. Yep. For us that are 
uh, in the military or federal employees in general, it is a good deal to have health insurance. Mm -hmm. So budget that. Um, <clears throat> retirement is something you should you should automatically think, yes, I'm going to put money in retirement yep. regardless. Um, sp our audience here, I'm assuming, is more of the, the military federal employee side mm -hmm. in the state side. So you have a certain match that is given to you based on how much you're contributing into your mm -hmm. retirement. So mm -hmm. at the bare minimum, you want to be putting that amount that you're at least going to get matched by. Otherwise your, you're losing your, free it's, money. It's free money. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and we can talk about later on, I'm assuming, how we can go about raising and lowering that to help you. Sure. Um, and the, the, the biggest one after the primary things is your debt. Yeah. So... After all of that, uh, people are, could be thinking to themselves while they're budgeting, how in the world am I going to take this little amount that I'm making and stretching it yeah. to all these things I'm trying to accomplish, right? And the key is cutting your expenses. Yeah. So, um, you know, I talk to my grandparents and, and people of that generation sometimes, and they see, oh, uh, DirecTV or, or cable or whatever, not picking on them, of course, but that maybe not be a necessity sure. right if you need it for retirement or something else i i would assume that uh retirement is a better investment than paying yeah. your 300 for direct tv every month just thoughts like that yeah. there are there are a bunch of different areas and ways to cut expenses but um, those are the main areas you should be considering okay so pretty much if it's not well would you say and in your professional opinion there's there's a, a life you can lead where you are just looking at the future only and not really enjoying what you could be doing by spending a little bit extra and treating yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Absolutely not. Okay. Um, you, you're going to reach a point of burnout if you yeah. do that. Um, there is a good hybrid there that you can do stuff you want to do now by also planning for the future. It's okay. just being responsible about it. There's a word there called what is reasonable, mm -hmm. what's reasonable. Um, for example, my wife and I budget a certain amount of money to go on dates every month. Yeah. And that's that's something important. If you're in a marriage, you should be fostering that. That's important. Yeah. What are the best ways to pay off your debt? And I'm, so this is, this is a really good question. And this name's gonna come up probably multiple times during this discussion, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Um, he is very conservative. There are some things I agree with him on, some mm -hmm. things that are, I believe, are, he's a little too staunch. Mm -hmm. But in this section, he has a really good um, description of two methods. There's the, the snowball method and then mm -hmm. the avalanche method. Uh, you may already know about some I'm, of these. I'm familiar with the snowball method. And that was the idea of you paying your, your smaller debt down first, mm -hmm. and then as you're paying off those debts, the, the minimum payment you can now wrap into the next smaller payment, yeah. uh, the the debt amount, and then it s snowballs up to that bigger that bigger debt number. The avalanche method, if you have some self control, mm -hmm. um, this is going to save you more money than the snowball method. It's paying down the debt that has the higher interest rate. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking at just make it super simple, a credit card with twenty four percent APR, a student loan that has four percent, and um, some other debt that has 3%. Mm -hmm. It's paying off the credit card debt first, even though it may be a higher balance because you're going to be saving more interest over the long term. Yeah. Um, so those are just a small comparison. But What if your funds are limited? So the example I have 
you live paycheck to paycheck, not you. Just let's say there's yeah, someone who sure. lives, you know. Of course. By the time they pay for the things that are absolutely necessary for their livelihood, um, food, shelter, you know, their their rent or mortgage or whatever it may be, and everything they need in order to be able to get to work, gas and things like that, and they have very little or nothing left after the end of the month. What do you, what do you recommend? That's really hard. The and I'm assuming we're we're past exhausting all necessary and reasonable ways to cut expenses here. Going through and cutting the for livelihood type stuff, like right. the treat treating yourself, treating yourself yeah, stuff, okay, okay. even for a short time. If we're, if we're past that point and we've exhausted that, w- there are some more. Um, there's be some greater changes that can be made, and these some people may see these as oh that I, I I don't want to do that. It's going to change more of my lifestyle mm-hmm. up. We're talking about getting a job that's closer to you to save on transportation costs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're man, this is just a really hard topic because yeah. a lot of people see this on a day to day basis, right. um, mm-hmm. and it's sometimes it's it's really unfortunate. It's just trying to find a drastic way to make that that yeah. better for you and there's no one one solution fits all for this sure. but there there are times i feel that and a lot of people go through this that they're that is just the way they live it's paycheck to paycheck to get by right. so if they have debt should they focus on because you've won an emergency fund as well right. um if they do have debt but they have no savings what should they focus on first if they do if they are able to find even if it's fifty dollars a month that they can put towards something sure. what should they focus on first well this is what Dave Ramsey recommends and I do too because it's a good strategy um, step one is to create a thousand dollar emergency fund mm-hmm. uh, here in Oklahoma <clears throat> that's a that's a good reasonable amount okay. if you were living in somewhere that had a higher cost of living like a New York or mm-hmm. a San Francisco this may be a little bit higher here but as long as you're making your minimum debt payments, yep. I would put that $50 a month in your example to to building up that $1,000 okay. emergency fund in the savings and you don't touch it. Okay. So let's say it's $50 extra you have a month. That That is all you have extra after groceries and everything, right? And your minimum payment for uh, your credit card is $15. You save $15 and the rest of it into savings and don't touch correct i just i also want to point out dave i know dave ramsey's a very uh, a go-to for money management for the show we we don't endorse and we're not we're just talking about his uh methods of of money um so that's just to let everyone know that we're not saying use dave ramsey but there are methods that he has created to help um get rid of debt and and build up for financial future Uh, so if you are fortunate enough to have a surplus of funds um, at the end of the month after everything's paid for, what should be done with that surplus if someone does have debt? So first step, obviously, is to pay down the debt. And using one of those methods, snowball method or uh, avalanche method, but that does not include your home. Mm-hmm. And we can we can talk about that here after a while on what that looks like on paying down a mortgage or even getting a mortgage. Um, but that, that's first priority because that's yeah. going to kill you in the long run. Yeah. The, the, the priority after that is uh, creating a, a bigger savings buffer. So mm-hmm. we're talking three to six months of necessary expenses. Okay. Here in Oklahoma, 
you're probably leaning toward three or four months. That's if you lose your job or something. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, as as federal employees, it's a little bit more of a of a squishy thing mm-hmm. we can talk about because you're not likely going to be losing your job as often as somebody who's in in industry right. just by if you look at the numbers. Right. Well, and I mean, if a you know you get affected by a government shutdown, which happened recently, that's right. Yeah. Um, having that in the bank is good because there are banks that offer a very low interest loan for people to cover, but then you're putting yourself back into debt on the debt thing. And I didn't add this into the questions, but what are what's your professional opinion on uh, if you have multiple loans everywhere, consolidating that for to make one payment? It depends on what type of debt we're talking about. Okay. So we have to be careful because a lot of times when you're consolidating, you have to deal with fees for consolidation. Mm-hmm. And that's the way these banks and them try to pay for um, them taking a lower rate Mm -hmm. on a consolidation is by uh, imposing fees that makes up for that that difference in your rate. So we're talking about, um, gosh, a couple thousand dollars to consolidate, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And and you have to weigh, and it's something a CPA or a financial advisor can help you with, Mm -hmm. trying to weigh the benefits of doing that. Um, the, yeah, there's there's some convenience by going to one source to pay a, a debt payment, but if in the long run you're actually paying more because mm-hmm. of the consolidation, that's really not helping you. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have to get in a in a rhythm, a battle rhythm, if you will, to pay down this debt because yeah. you have to aggressively pay it down. Yeah. If if you're not on it, on top of it, uh, it'll be on top of you. Is there any way that people who are just hammered with debt because of it could have been an emergency they had to um for uh, something to eat maybe to even save a life a kid had to go to the hospital they didn't have insurance and now they're um are there ways to negotiate with those um companies to lower that debt i mean are they is that a possibility for someone yes uh, absolutely especially with hospitals um they're I've had uh, clients that have had heart attacks, mm-hmm. and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars because they didn't have good insurance. It was catastrophic, yeah. and they had a, a threshold that they met, and they didn't pay any more. Uh, so they just called the hospital, and there are programs out there to help you. The hospitals mm-hmm. will know more about these. Um, so so be mindful about that kind of stuff yeah. before you just start making payments yeah. because always negotiate if you can. I'll use a personal example. So my dad had to get a stent recently, and he actually talked to the hospital about, and he got it lowered, the bill he had by probably $700. It wasn't a whole, whole lot compared to the full bill, but it still helped a lot. And it was just a matter of a phone call, uh, which was awesome. And some people, I don't think, know that they they can do that and that everything is negotiable. So you talked about how much you should have in savings, not necessarily a, a number, or you did talk a number, but a time period wise that would get you through um, you losing your job or something like that. Right. So when is it okay to dip into your savings account? Sure. So just to make a, a small distinction here, we're mm-hmm. not talking about retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a liquid savings account. We're good. Good things to dip in for would be medical. Mm-hmm. I, I would not say liquidate the, compl- the the whole savings for for just one payment, of mm-hmm. course, because you can, like we already talked about, negotiate that down. But um, medical, if we're talking about 
repairing your your car at a mm-hmm. reasonable place mm-hmm. to to get you back to work mm-hmm. um, things to get you back on track not okay. going out and buying something frivolous that's not okay. going to help you make money what if it's a um, you've you've saved up saved up for a couple of years to make a down payment on a house it's a down payment to go into a debt on a house sure. but you're renting and I know there's opinions on renting is just throwing money away and right. if you own right. it's yours and it's helpful more so but there are different opinions on that and I'm not commenting on either one of those but if you do want to dip into your savings say you have 20% on a $100,000 home you have 20 grand in your That's right. um, house well you want a lower interest rate uh, and you also want a lower payment yeah. you take a chunk of that and put it toward your down payment is that a good idea or no? Yes, absolutely. Okay. The the couple of reasons you'd want to do that. Twenty percent is is a magical number mm-hmm. the banks like to use because it anything over that you're paying um, what's called no PMI, yep. um, and that is essentially a risk adjusted number that says if you're under twenty percent, you are more likely to default based on some magical calculations that are behind the mm-hmm. scenes. So you have to pay that premium. Uh, that's what the P stands for in PMI, to mm-hmm. um, essentially compensate the bank for that lower, yeah. that down payment. Except for, and I learned this the hard way, an FHA, FHA loan, which is now you pay MIP or PMI, what the mortgage insurance premium right. for the life of the loan. Right. And what you really have to do when you're buying a house is take a good look, and you may take spreadsheets out on the table, no yep. kidding, to compare your rates in your if you're getting any tax benefits on the yeah. back end um but but yes you really have to do your math there a time like that is that when you're looking at a home to set an appointment with your cpa and take a look at your options and just have a person who is knowledgeable in that to help kind of guide you through the best option absolutely absolutely okay. and a lot of this is I'll, not mm-hmm. just a cpa can help you here i would mm-hmm. recommend one if you if you are really not sure um, a lot of some of this is common knowledge too. Going to people that have been in the industry for a while, yeah. um, I'm not saying don't trust your your mortgage broker. Right. Um, always get a second opinion, mm-hmm. and that that applies to anything we're talking. See Jones. <laughs> he's so. he's in the process of buying a house. <laughs> Compare mortgage rates between companies. Yeah. That's important. Okay. Uh, I have a CPA for you to talk to, Jones. If uh, he's actually sitting right in front of me, convenient. I don't know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Now for a quick break. Hey, do you hear that? No, that wasn't... Okay, that might have been your dog, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this glorious music coming through your speakers right into your ear holes. It's a new theme song for the OK Guard show called 0500, written, recorded, mixed, and produced by Sergeant Colin Farrell, who's a member of the 145th Army Band. Those instruments you hear, those are also members of the 145th Army Band. We have Sergeant First Class Andrew Brooks slapping the skins on the drum set, Sergeant First Class Gene Morrison on that trombone, Sergeant Hector Lopez rocking on the guitar, Sergeant Justin Stanton, electric bass, Sergeant Leon Williams, baritone saxophone, and of course, Sergeant Colin Farrell, alto sax. Evan Drum, who's a recording engineer, also helped run the recording session. 
We at the OK Guard Show would like to extend our sincerest thank you to Sergeant Colin Farrell and the members of the 145th Army Band who helped put together the new theme song for our show. We are extremely thankful for the amazing talent and creativity that we have in the Oklahoma National Guard. We hope you enjoy just as much as we are. Now, back to the show. What are your options when thinking about savings versus emergency, keeping it separate from your retirement fund? And if you could, for our listeners, what is the difference between your savings account, an emergency fund, and a retirement account? Okay, so first of all, gold is not a good alternative. Okay. To, okay just Don't bury gold in your backyard. Do not bury gold. What about cash and tin cans in your backyard? That's not a good idea either. Um, what, what if you bury it deep enough where it won't be, you know, dug up by a well, then dog? Well, they're going ahead then, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. It, I mean, because I hear if you plant a seed just like money, it grows. The money tree. So the money tree. Right. Yeah. Let's go with the retirement account first. Okay. The retirement account is something that should not be touched. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we haven't talked about TSP or 401ks mm-hmm. yet here, but you have the option as a federal employee with TSP to even draw loans against your your retirement. Do not do that. Okay. That is not a good idea. When when would you say it's okay to do that? There's got to be a situation where it's like okay. So there there are. It's very very slim, mm-hmm. uh, and there are other avenues to go down before you do it. Mm-hmm. If you have to, it would be for an absolute emergency okay. because what the the consequences of that are is you're paying back yourself yep. in your own interest in the in the TSP. And um, y- you may even get a better rate going to get a, a loan. <gasps> yeah. Be be careful what right. you pull on the debt, right? But y- you have to compare that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so that's a retirement account. And when you pull money out of your retirement account, that's not a loan. Mm-hmm. If you're not 59 and a half, you will possibly take a penalty. And you have to record that on your tax return. Mm. Um, and not only pay the penalty, but pay the, the tax on the interest. Yeah. So there, it's a double <clears throat> double hit there. So exhaust all efforts before you go that route. Right. Okay. So let's swing to the other side. You've mm-hmm. got a savings account. And so a savings account, I believe, in my personal opinion, a the definition of that is something that is highly liquid, mm-hmm. something that is either in cash or very close to cash that can be um, taken out and turned into cash okay. in probably a week or two. Okay. Um, there's a middle ground here, and I'm – very, very reluctant to to talk about it because it's highly abused. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a the option of having a Roth IRA. Okay. So just a little background on IRAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an individual retirement account that's through a company. Uh, there's numerous ones out there that that provide this service. Um, what makes what's the difference between a Roth and a traditional? Mm-hmm. That's what they're called. I always forget this. So a traditional is where the contributions going into the retirement account mm-hmm. are deductible on your tax return as they go in. So what that means is if you put $5,000 in a traditional IRA, you deduct $5,000 on your tax return that year, that year. The, year the year of okay. contribution. Um, and the other one is a Roth IRA, which that means you don't deduct them on your tax returns going in. So people are going to be asking, well, why in the world would you not choose the traditional? Because you get a tax deduction, right? Well. In a Roth, you contribute, you pay taxes now, but as the funds grow, mm-hmm. they are not, um, when, when you pull them out, they are not taxed, which, so in the long run, 
um, if you believe there's a there's a risk analysis there. If you believe you could possibly be making more later on in your in your life, you may be getting better uh, results on your tax returns mm-hmm. by contributing to a Roth. There's also this other benefit. To so keep your AGI down, is that what, or is that uh, in in your later years? So okay. as you when you pull them out in a Roth, mm-hmm. you your the taxable portion will be um, very low, if not non-existent because right. you've already paid them correct okay. Cor- go, paid the you pay the taxes going in on them Go, you, yes. I mean, so on a traditional you deduct them now but you pay the taxes on the interest later okay so as you pull them out okay so if you think you're going to be making more money in retirement it may be more beneficial to you to be in a lower tax bracket mm-hmm. to pay them now going in okay so personally i use a roth mm-hmm. uh for the majority of people in their younger years it's it is more beneficial to do so okay unless there is some weird tax situation you're in and then a cpa can help you yeah. analyze that but going back to the difference between a savings and a, and a, re- and a retirement account that roth ira is in the mm-hmm. middle for one reason you can put money into that roth and be able to pull money out of that roth with no penalty no no penalty coming out as long as it's your contributed amount not the interest earned. Okay. So, and what that looks like is there is a, a maxed mm-hmm. portion that go that can go in every year based on your AGI, and there's some limitations there. So, go see a CPA before you do this. Yep. Um, if you if you pull out, let's say, you contributed ten thousand, and you want to pull out five thousand for an emergency purpose, you can do that because you contributed more than that. You have a basis. Okay. It's called a, a tax basis in there to what is truly taxable there. If you go, if you've contributed ten thousand, and you go one dollar over that, yep. ten thousand and one dollar, that one dollar is going to be taxed mm-hmm. and penalized for pulling out. Okay. So be careful and know what you've done there. But even still, on those, you would recommend if you can avoid taking money out from that. Absolutely. Avoid it. Absolutely. It's okay. it's kind of the worst of both worlds if yeah. you're if you're using it for a a, a savings liquid mm-hmm. thing because it's not doing you any justice as a retirement account or a savings account because it's doing the worst of both right. if you're using it for that purpose okay now there are other retirement reasons to use them when we get to that later but okay so on iras and um our, our th- as guardsmen we have and federal employees you have mm-hmm. the thrift thrift savings plan Correct. tsp yep. is that similar to a 401k yes and talking about IRAs, how do those relate? And how does the TSP work? Okay, so this is for, this answer is for individuals that are in the new blended program. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and we can get to that later, but, okay. and, and for civilians as well on the, in, in that mm-hmm. area. So what happens is in a TSP, if you contribute 5%, the mm-hmm. government will match you 4%. And then add an additional 1% agency no matter what. So all in all, if you contribute 5%, they will give you 5%. And that is a good place to be Um, because that's a a benefit of yours for for working for the the government. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is very similar to 401k in in industry. From an, an IRA standpoint, an IRA is something that is done outside of your your job it's an individual retirement account you mm-hmm. go through 
um, any one of numerous companies that have them. And there are some arguments out there that they can make more return than TSP. There's not a lot of, if you hear that, question it because there's not a lot of evidence in my opinion that backs that up but people would argue that a really good strategy is to if you if you're sitting on a on a load of money that's over and above what's covering your expenses every Mm -hmm. month so you would take your agency match and at least get your five percent right so five percent in get matched five percent and then go and contribute the annual maximum to a to an IRA and we're getting into higher, more advanced mm-hmm. uh, retirement strategies here. But in, in an IRA, you would want to probably do a Roth cause you're making a good amount now mm-hmm. um, to do the annual maximum. And then, and if you have money outside of that, after doing your annual maximum based on that, you go back to your TSP and contribute more. Okay. Um, this is after paying down debt and those yep. other things we've already talked about. Yes. So, okay. Okay. But uh, on, on the matching thing, sure. if you're limited on funds, yep. and we'll go back to the earlier conversation about what, how should you, what should you put into your debt into savings? Yep. But if you have n- no extra, should you still match? If if that five percent match will make a difference in what you're able to pay down on debt, should you focus on paying that down? and doing the 5% matching later out of your check or like once you get that debt paid down or should you no matter what match as much as you can and try to find a little bit to put toward your debt sure does that make sense yeah sure um it's a good question there's definitely a balance there that has to happen if it were me uh, and there are other people that uh, would argue differently Mm -hmm. I would matches to the point where you can get your full match because that's money just left on the table. That's your compensation that you're not going to be getting right. As long as you're making your minimum payments on your debt, if you are going into default, we've got a problem. Okay. That's when you're sounding the alarm, trying to get money from wherever you can. Mm -hmm. But if you're making your minimum payments match as far as you can, and then go back to paying your debt in an aggressive way by cutting expenses and doing those those things we've talked about. Got it. If you can, uh, contribute more. Do you recommend that? Absolutely. Does it make a huge, huge difference? Say they match five, you put in 10. What difference could that make over the course of 20 years? A, a lot. Okay. Uh, by compounding interest, it makes a, a huge difference. Okay. Uh, there are models and um, tables out there that will show you how much $1 will be today in 30 years. Yeah. Um, there based on your return and, and cost of inflation and, and all of those things, it's a lot of money okay. and it's something that nobody should be passing up. Okay, great. Um, Cause that's pretty much the extra 5%. If you were to put in 10 is money, you're just for yourself, but adding to that, even though it's not matched, you're still getting compound interest. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Awesome. Talk about the different funds and which ones maybe you recommend a guardsman, uh, invest in when they first get in and then when they start getting toward the end of the retirement. Sure. So the, the key word here is risk. Mm-hmm. And that's something we all have to deal with on a daily basis. And especially in, in retirement, mm-hmm. when you were young and even past halfway in your career, you should be trying to grow that as fast as possible mm-hmm. in a reasonable manner. And 
By taking risks and correct. Okay, okay. Correct. Because the market historically rebounds. Mm-hmm. There has uh, not been very many times in history where something, especially with a diversified portfolio like we have through mm-hmm. TSP, mm-hmm. Um, if it if it goes down and you you lose some money, don't freak out. Yeah. Don't panic. Don't pull everything out right. and, and bury Leave. it in your yard. Correct. Okay. Leave it. It will rebound. It okay. will come back. So. To answer your question on the the type of um, funds you go into, the life cycle funds are really good. Okay. So, for example, if you just started your career, there's one out there called the 2050 life cycle fund. That's going to be a higher yield mix of uh, corporate and um, higher yield bonds mm-hmm. that are going to be good for you. Another good option that pays more right now historically um, that is a little more risk is the C fund. Okay. I also recommend that. that you're not going to have as big a balance with some other safer type. Yeah. But the reward's not as high the risk, but the risk is lower. Right, but you're young, right? Yeah. So we're talking about people that are young. Okay. That that will rebound mm-hmm. likely. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a diversified portfolio, you should be fine mm-hmm. with something coming back. Mm-hmm. Now for individuals getting older in their career mm-hmm. you'll hear the common knowledge of put everything in the g fund right you're getting retirement yes and no okay so for that's a two-prong reason in, in my opinion um and it's this is fact we are living longer mm-hmm. so w- combination of that with the fact that we are um, as federal employees given the option of retiring actually pretty early compared to the rest of the economy so if you wanted to pull your pension, you have the option. Let's take the standard approach. If you have 30 years in mm-hmm. and you reach your minimum retirement age, so you're in somewhere between 56 to 57. Mm-hmm. Um, if you decide to go right then, you will likely be in retirement prior to those people that are retiring in the industry, which is a, a common age anywhere from 65 to 67 yeah. usually. Um, so you have to make your your money lasts longer. So mm-hmm. if you're putting in the G fund, you're not getting as much yield. Right. You want to get more yield over the course of your life. So leaving some of that into a riskier fund and even into retirement mm-hmm. is a good option. When, you, mm-hmm. when you're talking about return on investment, you have to consider inflation too. Because yep. okay. your return, it has to be net of inflation. And sometimes when you're dealing with a G fund, your inflation may be higher than your return. Okay. So therefore, in the long run, you're lo- you could potentially be used losing money. I haven't looked at the numbers, but yeah. that's yeah. There's a risk there. Okay. So what time frame? You're toward the end of your career. Is it five years out? You should you should think about going less risk. Is it ten years out, or like what? Or is it one year out? Like what would you? Because the nightmare situation would be, you waited too long and the market crashes and you lose half of your retirement that you had built up and then you see i actually can't retire yet i need to stay in longer and hope the market comes back and i can make that money back um which would be just incredibly depressing so what what um at what number should you should someone see and say okay that's my comfortable number i'm going to go ahead and transfer it or should it be a, a more time frame based like hey i'm five years out from retiring and do not plan on working, even if I retire at 60. Don't plan on working. I want to go to the Florida Keys and um, sit my butt on the beach and read books for the rest of my life and just coast. That was a pun, and it was really good. Anyway, so um, I need laughter. We're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put audience 
track laughter tracks in this one. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Jonesy. Anyway, so um, what what would you base it on? A money number, a magic number that they come up with with their CPA, or time frame on when to transfer their funds to safe. So it would probably be time frame, okay. but it's I think it's shorter than you think. Um, you, you mentioned five years. Five years is an eternity in the market. Okay. Um, in in my opinion, mm -hmm. there's there's other analysts that may argue differently, but mm -hmm. um, it depends on what outstanding obligations and other risk you're trying to hedge against in your retirement. So this also goes into the argument. This is the full the full life of your retirement. So we're talking about life insurance yeah. to uh, long-term care, if that's something you are uh, looking into, those types of things. So time frame is really short. Okay. I would say within six months okay. if, you are, if you are happy with the number. But even then, you're we're going to be in retirement for a lot longer than yep. we think we are now. So I, I would not say to hedge your risk as much as you think. Okay. So you should pre-budget knowing what your payments are going to be for your insurance and things like that. Absolutely. After retirement and yes. look at what that number is afterward. Correct. What you have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to throw this question curveball at you because I, I never know if they're good or not, but talking retirement and more doing a mortgage they have this thing called a reverse mortgage do you know much about that and is that a bad idea or a good idea so i would say for 99 percent of people it's probably going to be a bad idea okay it's um, a big percentage right and that's and that, again that's my per professional sure. opinion yeah. I, I can't endorse 100 percent or not on certain <laughs> things but I, I will tell you i would not use one okay um they they tout a lot of these uh companies that provide this service will mm -hmm. tout you know, live your best life now, yeah. go and get a reverse mortgage on your home. But the problem is, is when you do that, you're, you're giving, hey, let's say you pay down your house, right? Mm -hmm. You're completely debt free and you get a reverse mortgage. You are taking some of um, your home value and just allowing the bank to, to have ownership of that. Okay. And let's say, for example, you go into a, a horrid, horrid example here, but this, it, it happens. You fall incredibly ill mm -hmm. and you're in the hospital um, and you can't make the, the payments, right? And we're, we're only talking, you know, a, a few months delinquency or yeah. whatever. The bank has the authority to come in at some some, some point in time and take your house. Okay. And that's that could potentially affect your, you know, your children, your grandchildren, yeah. and your estate as a whole. So I would say avoid them. I would Damn. say it's the same as a regular mortgage. Yeah. But the thing is, is when you're getting into your retirement age, a really good strategy and something I'm going to be doing for my family is ensuring that our mortgage is paid off before you go into retirement. Okay. But you still have to consider budgeting things like property taxes, Correct. things like that. Correct. Some people think, oh, I'm done. You're not. No. To include, uh, what's the other one? Um, more uh, insurance. Insurance, yes, insurance yes. yes. So, okay. In our show notes, we'll add more information on TSP so that our, our listeners can go and do research uh, on their own for what funds would best suit them and what each one means for higher risk and lower risk. So absolutely. The, the DSP website is a very good resource. Okay. There's a lot of information out there that shows the breakouts, the, the yields over the past 10, 20 years. It's, it's, they're very transparent. So let's go back to taxes. So for guardsmen, mm -hmm. what do, um, what taxes state and federal taxes do military members have to pay? 
So in general, mm-hmm. let's just talk about in general first, because the way the tax law, tax law works mm-hmm. is there are sweeping regulations and then you get exceptions to these rules, right? Yep. So the general rule is military mm-hmm. members pay the exact same tax as everybody else. Because if you don't immediately assume that or understand that, you get yourself in trouble. Yep. With that being said, in the state of Oklahoma right now, military members do not pay state income tax on their guard wages. Okay. So then your drill paycheck, will our taxes taken out and then you get it back at the end? Or no state taxes are taken out? Or is it de- dependent on how you have it set up? Yes, that last answer. Okay. In general, I would tell you that... Um, our HR and the people who process those understand that Oklahoma mm-hmm. has no state income tax mm-hmm. on those guard wages, so they will not take anything out for the most part. Okay. There are some exceptions that does happen, but you're, you, when, when you're preparing your tax return, there's a reconciliation that has to be done, sure. and you get a refund or you pay, that kind of stuff, so yeah. it will balance out in the end. Okay. Um, the other one is if you're deployed. There are some instances where guard members that are overseas will get a foreign exclusion and they don't pay uh, taxes on those on, on that income made overseas. The way this really helps the, the, the military member, the guard member here, DFAS will automatically calculate that. So it's it's reflected on your W-2. There is no calculation or hardship you have to go through to figure okay. that out and yeah. worry of whether or not you're going to be in trouble for not being taxed on yeah. a certain amount. DFAS calculates it. It's on your W-2. So you could say that is another benefit of being in the guard in oklahoma um army or air you are state tax exempt would you use the word exempt or it's just a benefit that you don't have to pay state taxes if you are guardsman or military member in the state of oklahoma uh it's not exemption it's excluded from income so an exemption so back in the day we're talking about personal exemptions back before the tax law change if this is an exclusion from okay. income. Okay. But it's a benefit. Like Absolutely. that's another benefit for being hey, I don't I'm a guard member, so my I do not pay state taxes only on your drill paycheck. Correct. If you're a guard member and you work for a company, you're still paying state taxes. Right. On that. Right. Okay. Correct. Bummer. We talked in the beginning about um, seeing a CPA uh, for when you do your taxes. What are the advantages of having a CPA um, do your taxes versus you doing them yourself, and are there any disadvantages? Yeah, so the, uh, mm-hmm. the advantages are uh, th- there's a lot of them. So you are ensuring correctness, mm-hmm. so you're not uh, worried about that you know you did something wrong. You have inherent audit protection to some extent because if you do it more correctly, mm-hmm. you're you're not going to be looked at by the IRS in the sense that oh there's something glaringly wrong right. here. Um, that doesn't mean you won't get audited sure. because the IRS does do random audits at certain times of the year. So random, <laughs> random audits. Uh, so don't yeah. don't 100 freak out when you yeah. get a something in the mail from the IRS. You should be freaking out when you get a call because those are scammers. Okay, good to know. That's very good to bring up actually because yes. there are a ton of scams going on right now. And that's there's a, a website I found that has a list of them of completely disregard these types of things and i will add that in the show notes as well but i'm glad you brought that up yes yes so okay um so the 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 only disadvantage of using a cpa is is the cost Mm -hmm. i mean that you're hiring a professional so you have to weigh uh is it is it worth it to you like i had mentioned the the beginning of the show of if you have a couple of w-2s in your household and that's it 
you may use TurboTax instead. It'll be okay. a greater benefit. Yeah. But if you've got K-1s and um, you have stock sales and retirement account, you may consider a CPA just to cover your base. Okay. And then as military, you guys will have to help me remember, there's one for military where it, they do your taxes for free. It's mili military.com? MilConnect? Something? Sure. Military One Source, maybe? Military One Source. That's it. And they partner with someone like a TurboTax or something, and it's it's as a military member, you can actually get your taxes done free using okay. that type of service. I need to verify, but I'll, I'll again put that information in the in the show notes as well. Okay. I know the services exist. I'm not yeah. too familiar with them yeah. though. So militaryonesource.com is where you would where our listeners would go um, to find out more, pretty much. So I'll just link to Military One Source, and there's just all kinds of resources for them. Sure. Um, I know you mentioned uh, some references uh, already. What Are there any other ones that can help individuals learn on how to invest their money well, how to budget, um, any type, anything that you think someone should go and educate themselves on sure. financial literacy, which you were going to talk about as well? Right. Um, again, not endorse any of these companies or websites or whatever. Um, just good resources in general. We'd already mentioned Dave Ramsey. A lot of his mm -hmm. stuff is out there. Vanguard has on their website. Uh, they are a firm that does retirement. Not necessarily endorsing them. They have good resources out there to understand mm -hmm. uh, every one of the retirement accounts we've talked about and more that you may have never seen. Okay. Uh, the tax consequences to some of those. Um, your your local CPA is going to be an, a good resource, mm -hmm. and uh, a certified financial planner is the other one. Uh, I had mentioned before, CPAs can't specialize in everything, and yep. a lot of your CPAs are not going to specialize in retirement. CFPs, Certified Financial Planners, they, they do. That's yep. what they're trained to do, so they will also help you. Okay. You mentioned before we started the interview you wanted to touch on financial literacy. Yes. Go ahead. So financial literacy is, I can't stress it enough, um, I think our our state is doing a great job in the last couple of years of implementing the requirement for a high school students in some districts where I come from, mm -hmm. more requires it. Um, I can't speak to some of the other districts, sure. but it is required to do a financial uh, personal class in, in that arena before you can graduate. Nice. Um, that's a good step in the right direction. Not just like a, you're in home ec and today we're learning on how to balance a checkbook. It's an actual... Yes. Course. Yes. Okay. Personal finance course that you learn stuff about um, everything from interest to how to do a little bit of a budget, mm -hmm. these kinds of things. And that's a good step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, but it should not stop there. There there are topics that you may not see in personal finance mm -hmm. until you are old and gray mm -hmm. uh, or close to retirement or even in the middle of your mm -hmm. your, your career or life or, or whatever mm -hmm. where you at in your life um, so financial literacy is something that has to continue throughout your life and one good example of this I had mentioned earlier is um, um, long-term care mm -hmm. some people they've heard about it they have no idea how that works for them you may or may not be considering that closer to 40 or 50 years old at that mm -hmm. point so you have to weigh those things even then um, so do yourself a favor if you don't know something don't be embarrassed. Go ask the good questions because yeah. you, you always hear the the only bad question is the one not answered or the one not asked. asked yeah. um, so if you don't know your own benefits, go to HR, ask about okay. those. Go to your supervisor and ask. Go to CPA. Mm -hmm. 
ask the questions. Is there anything else that you would like to add that you think is crucial for our listeners to to hear? I mean, we've covered a lot mm-hmm. here. Uh, there, there is stuff I could go into. Sure. And any CPA can go into. Um, but. And this is all really surface stuff uh, for our listeners. So it's really just to kind of plant the seed in their minds so that they can take that and do more in-depth research. Because we, like you said, we've covered a lot. And I think on a lot of these subjects, we could have an hour episode by themselves, which we could do later on, more like centered on retirement and steps two and things like that. So hopefully our listeners got, I I know I got a lot out of it. um, And hopefully this will spark a, an, an interest and a knowing that how important that this is and how important they should uh, how important it is for them to do research and become financial literate. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So um, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Hey everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, One thing we did want to mention and we'll put some information in the show notes is that there are three certified financial planners. Yep. Financial counselors. Yep. Okay. Same thing. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Three financial counselors, people Mm -hmm. that can help talk money to you Mm -hmm. if you can't talk money. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can translate that into a way that can help you and your family uh, budget your finances, get you out of debt, set you on a plan for retirement, and just get you financially comfortable where you want to be. This is a benefit of guardsmen and and their families. It's completely free. I mean, these counselors are here for you and your immediate family, so use them. Um, they're, I think we've got two in the city area and then one in Tulsa. So, yeah, we'll put their contact information in the show notes. So, yeah. 100%. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook, Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. and leave comments. Let us know mm-hmm. what you think, if there are any show ideas that you might have. A lot of this content is driven by you and your your audience participation so please let us know yeah um we are adding a feature to our podcast kind of an audio story uh brian here is doing the first one so be on the lookout for those it's just kind of a journey us as public affairs officers we get to see a lot and so we want to show those journeys in audio form uh for our listening audience so yeah it'll be a lot of fun it's fun for us to put those together and hopefully fun for you to listen as well. And, and like Leanna was saying, get that experience yeah. of being a service member in the Oklahoma National Guard. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next month for um, next month's subject is Suicide Awareness and Prevention for Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. And so we'll have some very special uh, guests on that show. So definitely tune in for next month. For sure. All right. Good. All right. Till next month. We'll All see right. you then. Bye. Bye. The OK Guard Show is produced by the Oklahoma National Guard Public Affairs Office. Any mention of products or brands does not imply endorsement. All guests on the show are volunteers in an effort to inform and educate members of the Oklahoma National Guard, their families, retirees, potential recruits, and the community.